It's about to go down in a minute. Let me touch down. I'ma get it. Cause I, I, I been waiting all night to make it go from the friend zone to the end zone. Trying to take it to the house, baby, let's go. Cause I, I, I been waiting all night. It's game time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of the CNO podcast. Today, we are joined by Kian and Owen, as always. It is a blazing hot week in Winnipeg, and uh, I'm, little, I'm a little bit burnt, but uh, we'll send it over to Owen. How's uh, the SWAS going this week? SWAS is unreal. It has been so hot. I'm not prepared for tomorrow, plus 37 or plus 38 Celsius, something like that. So, you know, a little too toasty for me, but you know what? Thank goodness the work trucks have AC used a lot unlike my cars ours don't have ac yet at uh at the rm and for those those of you uh, americans 37 degrees celsius is right around 100 degrees fahrenheit just for reference which is pretty hot for here in manitoba now i'll go to kian before we keep him waiting any longer what's up fellas uh quite an interesting game last night for the jets abs um some controversy at the end of it which we'll get into very shortly but you know, i've been enjoying working indoors unlike the two other fellows here so Nice air-conditioned house, let's say, on my computer. So it's been pretty lovely. Yeah, I can see that you're enjoying being nice and pasty in there. No tan. <laughs> but obviously, you know, we're, we're not going to jump right into the uh, Shifley incident right away because the Toronto Maple Leafs are out again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Haven't won a playoff series in a very long time still, and I couldn't be happier, to be honest. I think uh, next year they're going to tie the record for longest row without a cup. I think it's this year. Yeah, it's, this it's, year. It's, it's okay. in like thirty this days. Year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So even better. <laughs> yeah, I love how they love to chirp Buffalo about them not winning, and they haven't won it even longer. So it's just honestly, it's getting to the point where it's embarrassing. Like their team is actually so good on paper, just depth all around the lineup. They have the stars. They have the good goaltending. Right. I think that they have an okay coach. I think that they have one of the best GMs in the league just at, you know, working around the cap and, and signing these like shorter term, uh, low money deals. I mean, obviously it's not ideal to have Mitch Marner making almost 11 million, but it's just disappointing, honestly, at this point. What do you guys think? Yeah. After um, this latest um, collapse, I genuinely felt bad for Toronto Maple Leafs fans. And I can't say I've felt that way. I've been one of the ones pointing the fingers laughing. And sure, this one was so hilarious as someone that, you know, really dislikes the Leafs media. But, yeah, you have to feel bad for the fans. They've just had so much heartbreak. And, you know, all those game sevens against Boston were tough, especially, obviously, the 4-1 lead. That sucks for them. But the difference with all these, those other uh, game sevens is that they were on the road for game seven. This time they were finally at home. They were the heavy favorites. They dominated the North Division. This was supposed to be their year. Brought in Jumbo Joe to go try and get him a cup. Same with guys like Spezza, Simmons. I mean, they addressed all their needs. Campbell was unreal, but then they just choked. So, well, what more can they do? Well, last year, everyone was saying, oh, they need more grit. So they went on and got grit. Didn't fucking work. They traded for Felino at the deadline when they needed more forwards depth. He was fucking dog shit this series. He had five points in 10 games for the Leafs. And as we're in game six and seven, he was fucking invisible out there. Every time I saw him on the ice, he was just hovering around. I think he had two hits or something. Like, just 
the Leafs can't do anything else more. Like the media talked about, okay, they needed, like I said, grit. They got grit, didn't fucking work. Well, like, do they just fucking blow it up at this point? Mars and Matthews were god awful. They one goal between the two of them, and Marner was fourth in the league in scoring this year. And Matthews had what forty five goals. Forty one, I think. Forty one, yeah, still ridiculous. And he, he only scores fucking one in the playoffs against the Habs. Yes, they have Carey Price, the hottest goalie in the world right now, behind like with Hellebuck and Vasilevsky. But holy, like, just the Leafs choked once again, and they had a three one series lead. It's just, yeah. it's getting embarrassing at this point. The Toronto's supposed to be Canada's team, as everyone says, as all the media makes it, and they they just aren't. They can't be Canada's team anymore, especially after that collapse. It's it's fucking ridiculous. They're actually probably the worst team that could ever represent Canada. They they haven't won a playoff series in so long. The Jets have won more. Ottawa's won more. Vancouver's won more. Every team in the North has won more playoff series than them. It's just because all the media comes out of Toronto. That's why. Yeah, and there, there's just a couple of things that I want to talk about. I can't. I'm not sure if it was Game Six or Game Seven. Somebody tweeted, I think it was Game Six, a picture of Nick Foligno on the bench, looking at his tape job, and it was halfway through the third period, and there wasn't a single puck mark on his stick. I remember you saying that playing the other night. I just thought that was kind of funny. I was like, man, this guy's not even in the play at all. They and gave just, up a first for him. Yeah, that's that's gonna like, be tough. And Hall was traded for a second, and I think Casse or no Bjork. 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 Like, and just the way that they lost that game in Game Seven, it was pathetic. Like, it, it was no art. It was honestly just tough to watch. Like fans that are new to the sport and they're watching this, they're like, oh, you know, like for example, basketball fans, right? We have the same format as them, you know, game seven series, all that kind of stuff. Game seven is supposed to be the most entertaining game of the year, right? In in any series. That was one of the most boring games I've ever watched in my entire life. There was just nothing going on. And the fact that they were just like the heavy, like heavily favored, they were at home and it they was against fans. the Montreal Canadiens. They had fans. Like that just makes it way more embarrassing than when they lost to, the Bruins those years because the Bruins were actually really good that year, those years like 2019 they went to the finals 2018 they were like a really good team right like but this one this one just hit a little bit different and I never thought that I'd say that I feel bad for Leafs fans but like that was tough to watch yeah the Leafs choked but the Habs played fucking unbelievable coming back from 3-1 down Price was unstoppable right their whole team was just fuzzing because Barry Cock and Yemi he's like I think he needs one more goal to tie Sidney Crosby for most playoff goals for a 21-year-old or something. It's something yeah. that I read. And it's, yeah, the Leafs choked, but the Habs were also playing hard. Yeah, and especially, like, Philip Dano was playing, like, up to a selkie level. Definitely one of the more underrated defensive players. Well, I mean, I don't even know if he's underrated, but actually, I mean, not probably talked is, about enough. No, definitely not. And, yeah, I mean, Suzuki and um, Caulfield looked really good in some some moments and then i mean everyone was hating on dominic ducharme including myself for some of the decisions he's making earlier in the series but you know taking out thomas tatar and putting jake evans for him clearly paid off because um evans looks pretty solid and um you know we'll get to him later well and another thing is what everybody said about the the montreal canadians all year is that you know they win by committee 
And that's exactly what they did. You know, 12 forwards, six defensemen and their goalie and their coach, they all pitched in and they all helped out to win those games. I mean, I think it was game six when Kokaniemi scored. I think Kulak and uh, and Gustafson only had like six or seven minutes of ice time each. But, you know, that's what happens in the playoffs, right? That's just like uh, game four, Winnipeg-Edmonton, right? Trevor Lewis and Nate Thompson only get seven minutes in a 90-minute game, right? So, or however long that game was. But it seems like everybody on that Canadian team is buying in. And they're, they're built like a playoff team. They're heavy up front and on the back end, and they have a good goalie. So it, it's kind of scary that we're playing them right now up here in Winnipeg. But I think the boys can get it done. Do you guys think the Leafs make some major trades this year? Do you think they try to keep the same team? I don't think so. I think um, all the Marner trade talk is just confusing. It's really I- stupid, in all honesty. It makes no sense. Why would you trade... Mitch Marner, look, I know he makes too much money for how he's performed in the playoffs, but he's a special player. I mean, his playmaking is up there with the best in the league. And, I mean, to say they're going to trade him would be ridiculous. I don't know what they'll do. I don't have any sort of idea or plan that, like, all I'm I'm trying to say is I'm glad I'm not Kyle Dubas or in his position because I don't know where you take this. I don't know if you re-sign Zach Hyman, but even then, like, Swapping out a few depth guys, yeah, maybe it's a difference. And I mean, if you get Tavares and Muzzin back healthy, that'll obviously help a lot. But I really don't know where they go from here. But I do know that trading Marner would be a big mistake. I don't think they'll trade Marner, but I could see them trading guys like Kerfoot and maybe Hyman. I don't know if he's up this year. But like just change of scenery for some of these guys because I know Kerfoot just came in. He was a part of the Barry trade, right? Yeah. Yeah, so – I don't know. I just think they have to make some sort of change, even if it's just a few minor players. Just you can't go into the same with into the season next year with the same team, because I think they'll have the same result again. You know, if if I was Kyle Dubas, I I think that I would try to build the team from within. Honestly, I I think that I'd give more looks to guys like Nick Robertson, Timothy Liljegren, Adam Brooks. You know, players like this maybe. Uh, Amirov gets a couple games, right? You just try to build from within, and maybe you can, maybe you can build Nick Robertson into a really good third liner for the playoffs, right? I think I don't think that there's much that needs to change here. If there's one player that I could see getting moved, but even this is like incredibly unlikely, is maybe like a guy like Morgan Riley. I don't know. It's like he he's a part of the Big Five and. Essentially, I, I think that, you know, Tavares is the captain and I think his contract's pretty immovable. Uh, they're not trading Austin Matthews. William Nylander was their best forward. And you're not going to trade a guy like Mitch Marner. You just finished fourth in the league in points. Whatever you trade out, you're not going to get good enough back in where it's worth it. People were saying Marner for like Tom Wilson. And like, I'm one of the biggest Tom Wilson fans out there. I'm a fanboy. <laughs> I have a jersey, but can you honestly say that the Leafs team would look better on paper with Wilson in and Marner out? Absolutely. With Wilson not. in, yes, but with Marner out, no. Go ahead, Owen. Yeah, I was just going to say if there's any of the core pieces that can see getting moved, I do agree that it would be Riley. I mean, he only has a year left on his contract, and 
you know, Sandine can be sort of an internal replacement, like you were saying, and guys like Robertson and that. But yeah, for the Leafs, definitely um, time's running out. I think Matthews only has three years left. So um, if they can't get out of the first round next year, then, you know, the media is going to start hyping up that Matthews is going to want out or, you know, they'll come up with some storyline. And then, then I don't see them having any chance of going out of, going on a nice run. Just, um, I don't know if we want to get into it right now, but some breaking news just went out from Darren Drager. Do, do you guys want to wait to talk about that or? Does it involve suspensions? Yeah. Should, should, should I'll just say I it just, now. Just break it right now. This yeah, is a live reaction. said, um, Mark, one of, from NHL player safety, Winnipeg's Mark Scheifele has been suspended four games for charging Montreal Jake Sevens. That's a fucking joke. That's a joke. I'm I'm shocked, honestly. I, four I games. For sure, for, I for sure one for a game. fucking clean hit. That's a joke. Okay, so we're diving right into it. Kian, we know that you're... You oh, have I'm, some... Okay, so what I've done what Jake Evans did, absolutely fucking lootly. I'm making that wrap around the net and I'm trying to score. But I'm going to expect six fucking guys coming back at me. I'm going to expect to get blown up. You know, like what Shifley did as a hockey play. That is a clean hockey play. Everyone's saying, oh, he skated the full length of the ice to hit him. He was fucking backchecking. What do you want him to do to get back there? Like, yeah, he did come all the way down the ice full speed to backcheck. He stopped taking strides before the top of the circle, and he slowed down. He got low enough so his shoulder hit his chest, and that's a clean hockey hit. Yes, what happened to Evans was terrible, and we were talking about this earlier. If Evans gets up, and it celebrates a goal, no suspension. It's just because he got hurt. It is a fucking joke. Initial player safety is a joke. What they did with Wilson, I agree. I don't think Wilson should have been suspended, honestly, for what he did against uh, with Panarin because Panarin jumped on his back, but that's a different story. But that is a fucking joke that Ryan Reeves only got two games and Shafley got four for that. That is very true. I definitely agree with the Reeves and um, this. Like At this point, there's zero standard. I do think that Shifley deserved one to two games. But I thought he was going to get one for the charge. He has never had any history. Yeah, this is obviously his first time. You look at a guy like Reeves, who has had, obviously, lots of controversy with him before, only getting two games for, like, knee, putting a knee into the, into the side of a guy's head, which is... And ridiculous. pulling clumps of Harold and cross-checking the goalie in the back of the head. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I'm, I'm, I would have been okay with a one to two game suspension. And this is me being totally unbiased here. I think one to two games would have been fair. I don't think that it's like necessarily the most clean hit in the world. But like, if that was me, I don't think he should be making that hit. But at the same time, if you look at it, yeah, he was back checking and you know, the hit. yeah, there was a charge, which I think one to two games would have been fair, but yeah, his feet don't leave the ice. He gets him in uh, in the chest, and it's just obviously no one wanted to see Jake Evans get hurt, but sucks it happened. But I think the four games is is a lot, but there's a lot of people that will disagree with that. And it's four games in the playoffs. Playoff games double. So like, why would he, he? No way he would get a fucking eight game suspension in a regular season for what he did, George Perils. He's a joke. Nine out of ten hockey players make that hit. I make that hit. Good probably makes a hit. Oh, and you probably don't make that hit because you don't like to hit like we do. But I'm sure nine out of ten hockey players make that hit. So, so here's my thing. This is what I was arguing about with people online. So, with with a hit like that, 
I make that hit, right? Obviously, Kean said that. A hit like that, there wasn't anything, there wasn't much that was dirty about that hit. I was actually thinking about, it was about 95% clean, but there was about that 5% where he may have been going a little bit too fast going into the check. And the fact that maybe if he took one or two strides, like this is kind of contradicting what I just said. If he may have taken one or two strides, then he maybe could have gotten a poke check on it, right? But hockey is a game of milliseconds. He has a millisecond to think about what he's going to be doing right here. And the problem with Shifley in that game, especially in the entire third period, is that he was getting into scrums, right? He was kind of getting rattled like a lot of the game, right? He took that roughing penalty. So I think that his wires kind of crossed a little bit there. And he was like, you know what? I'm tired of getting fucking tossed around here. I'm going to lay a hit, right? I think that the hit would have been fine if he had a slowed down either earlier or if he would have sped up and made that poke check. Another thing that people said that pissed me off was they were talking about the situation. They're like, I would have been fine if you made that hit if the goalie was in the net. And I'm like, so how does that change what he did? First off, and them saying, uh, there's only a minute left or whatever, right? I was like, how does that change? Like, It's a one-goal like, game in the final minute of a playoff play. game. You, like, you just have to look at the play. And the NHL... I hope that they don't look at, at circumstance in this or look at situation because if that's the case, that's fucking bullshit. Because if they look at that and say, oh, well, we're suspending him because he made that hit after he tucked in an empty net goal, right? If they're doing that, then all of a sudden, there's you're going to see no hits or no physical play in the last minute and a half of games because guys are going to be suspended of laying a check that's too hard and them getting suspended. Right? Like, like that. that's kind of what pisses me off. I think that Shifley deserved to get suspended, probably for like a game. Yeah, I still, like, I strongly believe that it should have been one, to, one or two games. But yeah, I think four is excessive. And I mean, I, I can't remember a, a hit in hockey that has been this, like, divisive. Is that the right word? Divisive? Yeah, con- I don't know if I'm using that right controversial yeah, okay i'll go with controversial but hit that controversial where everyone like the fan base or not fan base people are split just, yeah everyone's so divided it seems like it's 50 50 um people even among former players i saw you know um sean, was avery. It sean avery yeah he was saying how it's clean and then you should have matthew barnaby saying that it was should be like four games there just seems to be no real consensus i'm hoping that the nhl puts out a video explaining why i think they um, did with the player safety stuff yeah there should be one on their website but um yeah i again i hope that it's not a suspension based off of just like basically ethics and like that you shouldn't be hitting guys late in the game after this like while they're scoring an empty net goal because uh, that's definitely not in the rule book that you can't hit a guy as they're scoring an empty net goal wraparound but yeah definitely one to two games for the charge but really the nhl does not agree with me yeah, I don't know if I don't know if Nathan talked about this, but I hate hated seeing people say the game was out of reach or that he knew he was gonna score, so why did he hit him? It's a fucking one goal game in a playoff game with a minute left. You think Shifley's gonna let him score? He's gonna run through him like every coach has ever taught us to. Hit the body, try don't look at the puck. And with Shifley having a coach like Maurice. If he speeds up and tries to poke it and misses a poke and doesn't lay the body, he is one, lighting up a goal no matter what. 
And two, Maurice is going to give him an absolute earful when he gets back to the bench. Why didn't you hit him? You should have fucking hit him, blah, blah, blah. In the final minute of a playoff game. So your assistant ca- assistant captain, right, Shifley? Yeah. He's going to set the tone for either the rest of the game, if he does stop it, or the next game, which he should have been in. Which, Because my opinion, I think he should have been fined for causing an injury. But that's it. It's a clean hit. Un- unfortunate circumstance. You never want to see that happen to someone. But I don't know. It's just if he doesn't hit him, it's either going to be a goal. And I saw this guy on TikTok slow, slow it down frame by frame saying, look here. He was looking at Evans, and Evans was already putting the puck in the net. with it, And then it's cut to the next frame, which was half a second, not even, of him making the hit. It's like, like you guys are saying, hockey is a game of fucking split-second decisions. And anyone who doesn't play hockey doesn't know that straight up. There, there's just a few things that, that I want to say about this kind of to wrap it up because I don't want to spend too much time on this. It kind of feels like we're beating a dead horse, honestly, but people love to dissect hockey frame by frame. It's right? so ridiculous. Every sport's ridiculous. And it's so annoying, right? So you watch the play. It is nearly simultaneous when Jake Evans is wrapping the puck and he's getting blown up. It's, it's literally almost simultaneous, simultaneous. Sorry. I can't really speak right now. Cause I'm kind of fired up. <laughs> Oh, me but, too. you know, he, the puck hasn't even reached the back of the net and Shifley's already making contact with him, right? But enough of really talking about this. I think that this could be the opportunity where we get the Columbus Pierre-Luc Dubois that we were promised. <laughs> I think I, the Jets are going to win by six goals tomorrow. They're going to come up fucking flying, being like, this is bullshit. How, how does our assistant captain get suspended for laying a clean hit? And know what else I found bullshit yesterday? Brendan Gallagher saying that was a dirty hit. Shut the fuck up, Gallagher. You lay some dirty-ass hits. You play on the edge. You would make that same exact hit no matter what. And also, how does the league not find Joel Edmondson for literally threatening... To <laughs> make his life like, miserable. Like, it was basically like, like, like a backhanded threat, basically saying that, that he's going to make his life miserable if they see him again this series, which is basically like, like one of those things saying, like, if I see you again, I'm going to fuck you up, right? Like things that we would say to each other when we're playing against Steinbach and Steinbach, right? Just, just shit like that. Like it's, it's shit in the shit. I am, I've never been a person that likes to use excuses in playoff series. And I think that this is just one of those situations. Next man up, right? Who, who's going to be the next guy in? Who's I hope be the next Pierre Luc Dubois fucking just tears a, tears a Habs hard out and just fucking snipes on Carey Price. But I do hope that Logan Stanley maybe get, gets in a little fisty cuff tomorrow. You know, I, I think it could happen. I, I think it's, it's kind of, it's, it's crazy to think that that a rivalry could start with one game. I definitely I think, think though, we're headed. that the Jets are in tough now with no Shifley and honestly, just maybe as big a loss, no Dylan DeMello, most likely. It looked like he like hurt his ankle or something. Um, yeah, DeMello is so important to the Jets. Probably their second-best defenseman. It it stings. And then not even just losing DeMello, now you got to rely on guys like Tucker Pullman to be playing top-pairing minutes, and it's been proven throughout the season that he, he can't. Like, I like Do you Tucker think Pullman he as a third-pair defenseman. I'd go Jordy Ben probably just Ooh. for the toughness oh, factor, but yeah. I'd rather Hainola. But just after how last game ended, I think we'll go with Ben. And with yeah. 
experience. But and it's still a wild card. We don't know if Paul Stastny's playing on Friday or tomorrow I either. Do. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna, did, gonna did, they say what, did they say whatever happened to him? No. He's holding out. <laughs> He's holding out. No. Uh, before we spend too much time on this, uh, maybe we should look at what else is going around in the NHL a little bit. Tampa, as we speak, is about to uh, play against Carolina in game three. They're up 2-0 in the series. Uh, just what I've noticed from watching those two games, because I've watched the entirety of both of the games, is that Tampa, they they showed in the last series that they're kind of like a run and gun, right? Like they were outscoring Florida a lot. And now they're showing that they can be a shutdown team, which is something that Stanley Cup championship teams can do everything, right? Like they, they could go out there and they could win a game six to four if their goalie is not having a great night. And then they can house goal, good goaltending in a different game and have really good defense. And that's what they've been doing. They've been annoying the shit out of Carolina. Carolina's having a tough time breaking into the zone. They're having a tough time cycling it down low. And Tampa's just, you know, getting the puck in the zone. Huskies hockey style, chip it off the glass, chase it in the neutral zone. On two. <laughs> Literally, that's – uh, but they are – they're going to win the cup. So, <laughs> I don't know if Tampa's going to win the cup, but they're – I had Carolina in six for the series, and I'm not liking that pick whatsoever anymore. Vasilevsky has looked – as good as he ever has right now. Carolina can't get anything past him. And Nadelkovic just hasn't played good. He just has let in a couple of weak ones recently. And they really need him because the Canes need to score more. And Nino Niederreiter's out for who knows how long. And Trocek isn't in tonight either. So it's just Carolina's in a tough spot because I really like their team. But Tampa is getting hot like they were last year in the bubble. Yeah, and... Another thing that I've been noticing about about this series that has been very vital to the Tampa Bay Lightning is just depth, right? Every time I look out there, Ross Colton is out there or Kalorn is out there. And then it's Braden Point. Kalorn's so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden, Pat Maroon's out there. And he's been – ever since I fucking told him that he makes hockey look hard, he's been playing really good. The CNO bump. Yeah, literally the CNO bump. But, uh, I mean, it's it, it's not it's not the the most exciting high flying hockey that we're used to with the Tampa Bay Lightning, but they just look well oiled to make another another push, and I think they're going to get close for sure. The fact that Hedman, like people have been saying, Hedman's playing half hurt, somewhat hurt, and he still looks that fucking good, man. It's yeah, it's insane how good he is. Like him and McCart are. One, two, easy. And I don't think there's really a close third. Like, it's just – and Kalorn, like I said before, like, holy shit, does he perform in a playoffs, man? Oh, my God. He's just – killer. Yeah, the killer Kalorn, man. He's – I just love that team so much. And even with Kucherov not doing anything in game one, they still found a way to win. Their depth still stepped up. Like, Tampa's a really good team, boys. Well, I had them winning my bracket. Yeah. And uh, b- before we get too far into the hockey talk, uh, we'd like to throw it over to our uh, most recent interview. We interviewed Carter Anderson, a uh, current player in the WHL with the Red Deer Rebels. We had a good chat with him just about bubble life and playing with uh, 
or playing for Brent Sutter. So we hope that you Father guys enjoy Brent. that one. We'd like to welcome our next guest to the show. He just got home after living in his own hockey rink for the last three or four months playing for the Red Deer Rebels in the Western Hockey League. Welcome to the podcast, Carter Anderson. Thank you. Pleasure to be on. How's it going, buddy? How's it going? Pretty good, boys. Pretty good. All right. So we we'll, we'll we'll kick off the questions right away here because we got a lot to we got a lot to ask you here. So yeah. uh, you played on a team with Matt Savoy at RHA, and you played against Connor Bedard. Like, what are the things that these players do differently that that make them so good? Uh, I think what separates them from other people is just uh, like how they think the game through and how quick they make the decisions. Like lots of people in like the league just like. Uh, get the puck and like they kind of stress out with when they make plays but these guys are just so calm and collective when they get the puck and it's just fun to watch yeah for sure those guys are pretty unreal I think I think they're gonna have good NHL careers too yeah my first question I have here um so obviously you made the jump to the WHL this past season were there any big surprises about the league or anything that stood out that was maybe a big change from uh, U18 or RHA yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, jumping from like uh, wild to just right into the dub was really like so much more fast pace. I'm just adapting to it. Just like need to be like locked in and practice and like me, uh, like kind of like being a bubble player, like kind of like scratched a lot and just like trying to fight for a spot on the team. It's just like uh, just harder, especially as being a rookie. Obviously, it's a hard year, but uh, this year all the boys were good, and uh, I just liked it so much there, and it was good. Yeah. Um, what was it like playing under Brent Sutter, and uh, what was your relationship with him as a rookie? Father Brent. Father Brent. Uh, yeah, it was obviously really good. Brent. Brent's an amazing coach. Uh, it was kind of unfortunate that he had to step down, but uh, right now we're looking for a new coach. I think. I think Brent's on that. And then, uh, yeah, it was just uh, my. What was the other part there? Sorry. Oh, uh, what was your relationship with him as a rookie? Oh yeah, yeah. As a rookie, it was kind of just really good. Uh, obviously, coming there kind of nervous and shy, but uh, as it went on, it just like kind of flourished and was it was really a good turnout. You know, obviously, it, it's way different playing junior than it is playing AAA or playing prep school. What was kind of your welcome to junior moment? Like, holy shit, I'm playing junior right now. Uh, probably when I was making my WHL debut. That's when I, when it really kicked in and just like, and probably maybe like all the quarantining and stuff like that. It was just like, whoa, I'm actually here, like doing all this shit and it's paying off. So like, that was probably my welcome to junior moment. And yeah, that was obviously a special moment. Uh, what was it like living at the arena? Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, it was it was really fun. Like, obviously, like there wasn't a bunch of privacy, and it was kind of hard on. Probably everyone can relate that. Like, COVID has been really hard on the mental health and just that side of things. It was difficult, but I feel like uh, Brent and Red Deer really made like everyone feel at home there, and uh, just everything that they did for us was just awesome. Just, yeah, it was a great experience at the rink. And, yeah, it was actually quite weird at first. Just, like, you'd wake up and just stare out at the ice. But, uh, yeah, it was awesome, though. 
when you guys weren't on the ice, what exactly were you guys doing at the rink? Did they have um, any sort of like activities or um, almost like field trips of sorts? Or was it um, lots of Netflix and Prime or what did that look like? Uh, yeah, yeah. So they had a couple like, because all throughout the track, they had a bunch of like spike ball, ping pong and basketball there. So we actually had quite a lot to do on like our off times or our off days and stuff. So that was good. Uh, but the boys love to grind fort in the bubble. So that was a good, uh, but yeah, there was like way more things to do than just video games and Netflix and stuff like that. So it was good. Yeah. I just want to take it a little bit back to when you were growing up, obviously you grew up in Thompson, Manitoba. Like what yeah. was it like growing up in a, in a smaller community playing hockey? Uh, obviously like, uh, you get to meet like everyone there. Like, it's not just like, you know how, like in Winnipeg, it's all spread out, like in areas, Thompson's just kind of like one big area and it's just like all the boys know everyone. And then it's kind of like a really good, uh, just get to meet a lot of new people. And like, I still have lots of really good friends back there that I still talk to now. And that's probably because of, uh, hockey, just bringing us close together just kind of yeah um who did you model model your game after growing up and has that person changed um i started off kind of like modeling my game after uh ovechkin uh he knows how to shoot the puck and uh he plays physically which i kind of do that and i kind of still model my game after him Uh, obviously he does lots of things different but just uh like shot and his physicality and the way he plays just kind of motivates me and just love watching him. So obviously you're still in school when you're out in a red deer there, how do you balance school and such a crazy busy hockey schedule? Oh yeah. It was obviously uh, really hard, but uh, like the teachers, there are really like understanding if like an assignment's going to be late or something like that. If you're on the road uh, they kind of really understand that. And the thing with Red Deer schooling is like, you can kind of like pick it up whenever. So like I'm at home right now, but uh, like you don't have to like join classes or anything. You kind of just like uh, go online whenever you're free and just complete assignments, which is really good. I took a kind of lighter course load when I was going there because I didn't want to be stressed out with school and hockey as well. So yeah, but uh, it was obviously hard, but honestly not that hard all right i got kind of an inside an inside information from rylan he said that you and him kind of had a deal uh when you guys were playing wild together about who would get to wear number nine but none of you guys ended up with it can you kind of go through that story oh yeah okay so me and rylan kind of had this plan before going into picking numbers that day uh i was gonna if i didn't get number nine he was gonna pick number 10 or if he didn't get number nine or if, okay, if he didn't, if he didn't get nine, he was going to be 10. And if I didn't get nine, I was going to be 10. So then we were going there and then uh, kind of went by birthdays. So I have a pretty late birthday. And then one pick before me, Grant White picked uh, number nine. And then I was kind of there, kind of shocked at the same time. And then uh, me and Ryland both kind of look at each other was like, what the fuck? And then rattled. Oh yeah. I was, I was a bit rattled, but whiter, whiter got that. And then, yeah. So then I ended up being, what number was I? Eight. Yeah. Number eight. 
didn't get to play a lot of games in it, but kind of <laughs> like the number. Uh, but and then Ryan got a dust number twelve number, but kind of a tough silk on his part. But <laughs> um, before he got drafted, did you know Red Deer was going to take you, or do you have any other teams in mind? Uh like I did talk to Red Deer quite a bit throughout like the whole draft process, and like uh, talked to Sutter Sutter a lot over there when I was uh, playing with RHA. Honestly, I talked to Swift Current actually quite a bit before I was there. Uh, and then Seattle, I thought either Seattle, Swift Current or Red Deer was gonna pick me that day, but it happened to be Red Deer, which I was kind of happy with. Um, but yeah, it was obviously like a really good experience and just an awesome feeling. That's when COVID wasn't really a thing and got to experience with the boys. Uh, we were actually at school that day and just uh, all crowded around the cafeteria. So it was really fun and just an awesome experience, obviously, yeah. Well, how are you approaching this off season? I mean, obviously it's hard to train these days with um, everything shut down, but um, what are you doing just to try and prepare for your second WHL season? Uh, kind of just uh, focusing on the things that like I need help on. Uh, obviously, like uh, speed. Speed was a big thing like for me just because uh, it's such a fast league. You need to be able to play so you can never – get any faster and uh just uh thinking more with the puck because you you're under a lot of pressure over there and just uh knowing what to do with the puck is always a good thing and uh just working out uh every day uh trying to get in some runs outside but other than that no like uh just been training hard and uh obviously with ice shut down it's hard to kind of focus on your game more but yeah yeah, so Carter spent a, a good amount of time over here at the crib. When Rylan and him play mini sticks, you guys think that we're competitive? These guys break out into full sweats playing mini yeah. sticks together. And they'll they'll play up to, you know, 20. Like, they'll play up to high scores playing for almost an hour. And I, I just don't know how you guys could be so competitive. But I guess it's just the way that you guys were. Yeah, obviously there's a couple. Uh, yeah, just always competing is always good, but... Yeah, Rylan always thinks he's better, but never going to beat me. <laughs> um, with Nathan talking about your competitiveness, uh, I heard you got into a fight with your teammate during an inter-squad game this year. What happened there? Oh, yeah. Okay, so uh, we actually just finished our first set of games, and it was kind of just uh, we had a Saturday inter-squad game, kind of just had a nice day planned out. And just uh, so for obviously my first fight, didn't really know what to do, but uh, so me and this guy were going into going into it kind of like uh, I made a bit of a late hit on him during the game, and then he kind of gave me one back, and then he asked me if I wanted to go, and then I, I wasn't going to just say no, so I just said okay, and then I dropped my gloves, uh, and then that time I just like, I kind of had him, I was laying punches right on his helmet, and just... I had actually had to I actually had to get three stitches on my knuckle after that, but uh, yeah, still have the still have the scar there. Oh yeah, yeah he was mucking up his hands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I don't th I don't think we uh, I don't think I landed one punch. I think I landed maybe one punch on him. But then yeah, kind of just in the moment, and then got a fucked up knuckle after that. So not really <laughs> worth it. But uh, in the heat of the moment, it's kind of whatever. But we're all teammates, right? So. How, how did how did Brent respond to that, Co Coach Sutter? Uh, 
Brent was in the stands. I think he was liking the intensity, but hopefully he's liking the intensity. Uh, but uh, yeah, he likes that stuff. So hopefully, hopefully he see, he saw that as a as a positive. Yeah. Are you a guy that has uh, lots of pregame superstitions, or not really? Or have, do any of your teammates in Red Deer have any crazy superstitions? Uh I don't really know anyone that like really has really crazy superstitions. I'm not really superstitious. Just maybe one thing is uh, I'll put uh, my underwear over my jock for warmups and then I'll take them off uh, just prior to the game. But that's only the one I can think of. Uh, I don't know who else would have one. No, not anyone on Red Deer really has any crazy superstitions. But Any from Ryland we need to hear about? Oh, no. I don't know anything. I only played two games with him, so not really familiar with what Fair he enough. does. <laughs> Uh, who are some guys on Red Deer who took you under their wing? Probably uh, Joel Sexsmith really took me under his wing. Uh, yeah, Joel, number 27. He probably one of my closest buddies there. Uh, he's uh, 18-year-old. So, yeah, he's probably one of my closest buddies there. And uh, just all the rookies kind of fell behind him and stuff. Uh, always looked up to him. And uh, Ben King. Ben King was another... Uh, one that was really uh, close, close with me, and just uh, kind of respected me as a player, and just took me under his wing, which was good. Especially being a rookie, you don't really know a lot of people, and obviously the vets kind of run the show over there, so it's really uh, intimidating. But it gets better when people kind of start taking you under their wing and just making you feel at home. I'm I'm pretty sure that Joel Sexsmith, he was a really high, really high pick into the dub. And then he got, yeah. he got really hurt, like kind of around your age. He got hurt pretty badly, and that kind of put him aside for a little bit. But yeah. It's good to hear that he's doing well again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he actually just recovered a blood clot. So I think uh, he's doing good in that aspect. But he was ninth overall to Swifty. So, yeah, and then he got dished to Vancouver, and then he came to Red Deer after. Were there any trades this past season in the WHL or were they just not allowed this year, obviously with COVID? Uh, no, not any trades that I think of, but uh, people were dropped in Seattle for some, I don't know if you guys heard about that, yeah. but yeah. Um, and then Red Deer actually just made a couple trades. Uh, we traded with Brandon for a goalie and then we traded uh, Edmonton for a 20. So nice. we got that in return, so. Yeah, other than that, I don't think there's any more trades that were made yet. Probably this offseason is when we'll make our trades the most. Having two goals this year, what was the emotion you felt after you scored your first one? Uh, the first one was definitely, like, really uh, surreal. And uh, I just remember not really thinking anything about it. Just kind of whacked in a juicy rebound. And it was just uh, – it was there, and all the boys were hype. Uh, got the puck and stuff which was really good. But uh, I thought my first goal was going to be a bit better Sally than that, but it was kind of a brute Sally. But uh, honestly, I didn't really think anything about it. I just went to the bench, so it was good. And then uh, the other one was still really um, kind of special. You're always going to remember your first couple. And yeah, it was good. You know, who was the best player that you played against in the dub this year? I know you you got a chance to play against like uh, 
you know, some guys that are going to be drafted this upcoming year, guys that have already been drafted? Yeah. So probably for me, Edmonton had really, a really uh, powerful first line. They had Genther, Neighbors, and Oliver. Um, yeah, Neighbors was actually just picked uh, by St. Louis in the last last draft. But uh, Genther, he's probably going to be going top five this year. So, yeah, he was just phenomenal to watch. Just everything that he did was just crazy. He's probably up there with uh, Bedard, in my, my opinion. Playing style, kind of the same. And just work ethic is always there. What about the goalie in Edmonton? I know he's rated pretty high on a lot of draft boards. Oh yeah, Kosa, Sebastian Kosa. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's a really good one too. Um, yeah, he's definitely the best goal in our league. And yeah, it was definitely hard to score against him. But what's uh what's the coolest place you've played hockey over the years? Like, I wonder if you've been to been to a cool tournament overseas or something like that. Uh, I haven't really been overseas, but, uh, there's a couple of tournaments in the States, probably Ryland went to as well. Uh, been to like Minneapolis. Uh, that was a pretty cool place, big place. Uh, but, uh, last year, like playing in the CSSHL, uh, we go to Banff. So yeah, we got to experience Banff and just kind of walk around Banff for a bit while we were waiting to play Banff. But, uh, that was a good kind of experience all of hills and stuff pretty good those are called mountains carter yeah <laughs> all the hills and mountains shit. <laughs> was it weird living in a bubble like i know we talked about being in the arena but was it weird not really being able to leave or yeah I, I, sometimes it felt like we were kind of like uh in a jail almost kind of like you was just can't really see anyone got served food at specific specific times and it was just uh really felt like you're like locked in there but uh honestly it kind of got better as time went on kind of got used to it but uh obviously seeing the same people for the past three months was kind of hard just uh but it honestly just gets better what was the first yeah. thing that you did once you got out of the bubble like did you go make a dawn's run or something like that like Something that you were missing uh, in the bubble? Uh, we actually went to A&W, me and the vet that came back. But uh, it was obviously really good to just get a nice burger after we were right. locked in eating shit food for a while. <laughs> nice to get something different. All right. Well, do you have any any uh, cool stories about, you know, when you played, uh, you know, for RHA or even back in Thompson or in the bubble or something like that that you'd like to share? No, no, not not really, actually. Maybe it was a, maybe if it was a normal year, I'd have more, but no, nothing I can really remember. All right, yeah. well, yeah, thanks for joining us. Right. Yeah, yeah that was thanks, awesome. boys. All right, thanks, Carter. Yeah, thanks for coming yeah. on. See you, boys. See ya. Yeah. Well, thanks to Carter for joining the boys, and we hope to see him tearing it up in the dub again next year. Going into other hockey talk now, the Bruins and the Islanders are actually currently playing as we speak. Uh, it's one-to-one in that series. I'm going to be honest, I haven't really watched any of that series, but uh, I just refuse to watch the Islanders, basically. Um, it's, it's just kind of hard to watch, and uh, but that's what makes them so good, right? They're, they're hard to play against. They don't give you anything, and I know that Owen has a strong feeling about the Islanders as well. No, I, honestly, I'm... I got nothing to say about the Islanders today. All I have to say, my biggest takeaway from this series is that the NHL 
needs to fix her scheduling. Oh my god! Like, why would you schedule game one? I think it was game one of the series on the same day as Toronto Montreal within half an hour. I believe it was on a game Saturday. one of this, and then game six of the Toronto Montreal. If I'm not mistaken. It's a Saturday. Why would you not have one afternoon game, one in the evening? Like, it just makes no sense. And, yeah, I haven't been able to see any of the series, like, at all, except, like, the first 10 minutes of the first period of game one. But, yeah, like, NHL, come on, get your act together. Why do we need two games within half an hour when there's only two games on the day? So, fortunately, I haven't caught any of the series. Might watch a bit when we're done recording the pod, but, oh, well. Shame on you, NHL. <laughs> yeah. I think Pass had a hat trick in the first game, so he he's nasty. So <laughs> but other than that, like I know people were saying Rask was a little injured last game and no Sazika scored on pretty unlucky bounce from the Bruins. But yeah, I haven't I haven't watched really any of this series. So I can't say much on it. Well, and and another thing, uh about like Rask being injured. I, I feel like he's always injured. I feel like, you know, just as he's gotten older, he's gotten a little bit hurt. I feel like if it weren't for that, he would be regarded as, you know, one of the top five goalies in the NHL still. He's very talented. But I guess one positive for the Bruins is that if he does somehow get injured, which is a huge loss, they do have two very capable goalies that could come in and play in Halak and Swayman. So whatever whatever happens there happens i i still think that the bruins are going to take this series um but i'm hoping to watch some of it eventually it's just that every time that they've been playing there's been something better to watch or or something more important to watch in my opinion and uh the next series to talk about here is the uh colorado avalanche and the vegas golden knights uh i mean Colorado was playing a video game in game one. They had a nine-minute power play, which is pretty funny. And Ryan Reeves got suspended two games. There's a there's a few things to talk about here. We'll go to Kean first. Yeah, first I want to touch on the Reeves and Graves stuff. I think that hit Ryan Graves put on Yanmark, very clean hit. Was it, you know, a little late? Yeah, so I understand the penalty. But in a four, I heard Kevin Bieksa saying – it's a four nothing game and the game's out of reach. It's a second period with 11 and a half minutes left. The game is not out of reach. Like, I'm sorry, but look at San Jose years ago against Vegas. Yes. They had a five minute power play, which was a penalty in my, by the way, not, no, but, it wasn't. <laughs> but it's a four nothing game in the second period. Yes. Colorado was all over them, but you still got to make that hit in the playoffs. It's playoff hockey. After all, you can't be watching your pass like Yanmark did. And what Reeves did, like, I like Ryan Reeves. I I really respect how he plays. I think he's the he's good for the game, what he does. But that's fucking unbelievable what he did. Fucking cross – like, we talked about – or we kind of mentioned it earlier. Cross-check Grubauer in the back, which I've seen but also haven't seen from some angles. So, it kind of depends which one you watch. And then to grab, grab Graves, throw him to the ice, and then fucking kneel on him and pull out clumps of hair, like – that's just so fucking bad for the game. Like, just gives the game a terrible look. So, I think I think he should have gotten more, especially with what we just saw that Shifley got tonight. But, I don't know. I just don't think it's a good look. What do you guys think about that? I think it's just kind of childish, honestly. 
I, I feel like that, that's like the best way to do it, like, or the best way to describe it for me at least is, you know, Ryan, Ryan Reeves has played in the NHL for so long. When have, when has it ever been okay for you to just knee somebody in the face? Like, I just don't understand that, but I mean, that's part of the way that he plays, right? He plays on the edge. Sometimes he goes over it. And uh, the other night he went over it. So he, he got the ban hammer there for a couple of games. And uh, I think it was deserving. We'll be back for game four and in, in the strip. Yeah. I definitely think that suspension was definitely warranted. I think after seeing that Shifley got four, I think you can make the argument that Reeves should have gotten just as much. Especially when mean repeat. Exactly. Repeat. And I know this doesn't really factor into it at all, but it's still worth noting that a few nights ago, game seven against um, Minnesota, he cross-checks um, Ryan Suter right into the goalposts. So, I mean, he's clearly playing right on the line and has arguably gone over the line twice in the matter of two games. So, I don't know. It's, yeah, I'm with you. I like Ryan Reeves. I think he is good for the game with how he plays and just his toughness and everything. And, you know, he can be hilarious at times, but... Yeah, definitely just don't agree with what he's done in the past um, two games here. Definitely crossing the line a little bit. His brother's a goat, though, for our school. If, if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, what was that, grade 10 sure, or grade 9? Search up Jordan Reeves' knees kid. Yeah, and it'll be yeah we were, in, we were in grade 10. And I remember you two boys were in a hockey academy, so you guys missed it. But I was we have um, at our school, we had a thing called Pros versus Joes, and it's like, I think it was, or it's actually a mix of students, but usually grade 12s get into it. And so our gym teacher, she runs a whole thing and she got in Jordan Reeves, Ryan Reeves' brother, who played for Saskatchewan. I don't know if he plays football anymore. And she gets a whole bunch of other pros and he thought, okay, I'm going to dunk over this kid, Ishi, from our school. So he goes up and just fucking straight kadoosh knee right to the schnoz of Ishi just absolutely ruins this kid's day so everyone got on video and unreal high school moment which sucked for Ishi but at the end of the day it was pretty funny yeah and transitioning more into some other hockey international hockey actually uh team Canada won in thrilling fashion today to advance to the semifinals, defeating the Olympic athletes of Russia in overtime Troy Stetcher pulled a gorgeous move and fed it back door to Andrew Mangiapani and he tucked it. I have to be honest, I haven't watched a single second of this tournament just because, you know, there's NHL hockey on and they play a lot during the day because it's over in Riga, Latvia. So I'm working during the day and I can't really watch any of it, but that, that was a beauty. I just want to go back to Colorado and the Vegas series just because I've watched, um, I watched the, or, I didn't watch a lot of the game one because it was a blowout. So I was like, hey, whatever. But I watched all of game two last night. That power play that Avs have with uh, McKinnon, Landeskog, McCarr, Rantanen, and Donskoy. That's fucking insane. That's usually their five on five. But that's a fucking cheat code of our power play. And then I don't, I still don't understand why they played Leonard in game one. People are saying it's for rest now for Flurry for an extra day, but it's like, why wouldn't you try to rest Flurry when you're up, when you're up against a Wild in Game Six? Like, why would you 
okay, let's just shit the bed in game one. We're going to lose anyways. I just, I just didn't really agree with the whole reasoning that people are saying now. Actually, another thing that I saw about that, I don't know if you guys heard the same thing as I did, but uh, I, I think probably most NHL teams have this policy, but uh, the Golden Knights have a rule where you can't go on social media on game days, like no posting, things like that, right? Which makes sense, right? They, they kind of want you to stay focused, you know? Maybe there's maybe there's something that's said about you online and it, it gets you riled up, whatever. So apparently Robin Leonard made a tweet or he made a post about him starting that night about how he was like fired up and he was like, let's go golden Knights or something like that. And the team didn't like that very much. So that's why uh, Robin Leonard wasn't backing up yesterday. I'm, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Cause I saw he wasn't the backup last night. And I was like, they're going to kick him to the fucking streets this quick. What the fuck? That's that. That's what I heard. I'm not sure if it's completely true, but. I mean, that would make sense if they had that rule and you did that, right? Whether you're backing up or not, you still have to, have to listen to it. There's no reason why a goaltender that you have, I think they gave him a five-year extension, right? There's no reason why a goaltender with a five-year extension wouldn't be sitting on the bench on a playoff game. Yeah, and right? someone so I, think, I think that's kind of disciplinary. Especially with how good Leonard is. Yeah, he did get lit up for seven in game one, but overall, he's a really solid goalie. He showed it because he was in New York before this, right? And Chicago. And and then he went to Chicago and then got traded, yeah. But another thing I want to say about this series, the depth for Colorado last night showed up huge. I think, and I know Ranton scored the game winner, but I think it was like, uh, who scored? Jost and Saad, they both scored. And Saad has scored in five straight games. Five straight games, yeah. Like he's he's buzzing right now. And do you see how many times – uh, Golden Knights hit the post last night. Riley uh, Smith alone I hit the post. Oh yeah, Riley Smith alone hit the post four times in the third period. Oh my god! Yeah, just oh, Vegas. Vegas was absolutely peppering Grubauer, and Grubauer stood on his head. So, just wanted to get that out. That very entertaining series, even though Vegas is up two nothing already. Speaking of luck, a team that's luck turned around last night. The Buffalo Sabers, after having a terrifying season were awarded the first overall pick in last night's draft lottery, which personally I was very happy to see. You know, I think that the worst teams should get the highest draft picks. I'm kind of like Brian Burke that way. I think there should be a lottery, but I think that the that the percentages should be much more skewed than they are. Uh, or just take out Kian's, less teams. Yeah, Key and San Jose Sharks stayed at seven, and the only change was Seattle had the third odds. They moved up to the second pick. And Anaheim had the second odds and they moved down to the third pick. So I, I, I think that's honestly perfect. Yeah. Um, I have no problems with what happened in last night's draft lottery. At least it's not a repeat of what happened last year where a team, I think it, it was the 12th best odds, got the first overall pick and it ended up being the Rangers. So I, I, I know that Owen or uh, that Kean's been paying attention more to the draft because his team, was uh was in the stinker this year, so he's been looking at the prospects and who do you who do you have in the mix for who you're hoping that the Sharks get at number seven? Well, my number one guy is Maddie Berniers, but I I don't I don't see him at all being at seven, especially with Detroit picking in front of us. I think Detroit's gonna pick best available. I think I think Seattle's gonna go D at two. I think Owen Power is locked in at one at this point, which yeah makes sense. I would assume I don't really know much about this year's draft. 
I have a higher chance of going at seventh overall than Matt Beniers. <laughs> exactly. So I think Brent Clark will probably go too. I think Seattle is going to build from the back end. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. It's such a toss up with this draft. But my number one player I want the Sharks to get, which is realistic, is Johnson. I love Johnson from Michigan. He is so good. He's perfect for San Jose. I'm just praying. I'm just praying we don't go DR forward or a goalie. I mean, I don't want Wall said. I don't like the idea of picking a goalie in, in the first round, let alone top ten. When you know, who knows when San Jose will have a top ten pick? Probably next year. But with Doug Wilson, we've only had two lottery picks that we haven't traded for. So I think Ken Johnson uh, or Kent. No. Yeah, mm. Kent. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm hoping for Berniers, but I'm more definitely sure that uh, Berniers will be gone. Oh, who's a Swedish forward? There's there's a Eklund. couple. Uh, Eklund or, or Lysel. Yeah. yeah. Eklund will be so, long gone. Yeah. I, I hate know, to say so. it, but don't get your hopes up for Berniers because he'll be. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm way gone. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just hoping for Johnson or someone who. Uh, who is it? I think Dylan Gunther could be a fair again. Yeah, that's what I was and thinking of. Two points a game in the dub. So. Yeah. And, yeah, I would love Gant- Gunther, Gunther, or Johnson. That's my two picks. I just don't want D because we have Vlasic, Carlson, Burns, Ryan Merkley in the system. We have some young guys coming up. Knizhov, who played for us this year. Mario uh, Ferraro. Mario Ferraro, who's playing for Team Canada right now. So, I don't know. It's It'll be interesting what – dougie wilson does but yeah should be interesting i'm excited for the draft uh you you were mentioning you know who you maybe think would go like second overall so you were mentioning who you maybe thought would go like second overall i guess kind of the wild card about this year is that it seems like everybody has a different draft board at the top right pretty much everybody has power at one a lot of people have veneers at two which i think that veneers will, will get taken at two in my opinion and then a bunch of people have like Edmondson going second or third, right? It's so weird. And then some of them have him going at like 10th. So I, I really don't know what to make of this draft. I'm not going to make a mock draft. I, I won't even bother, honestly. And maybe the Sharks pick Atu Ratu. Like you never know. I was talking to my buddy Bryce last night. He's a huge Red Wings fan. And with them picking in front of us, we are talking about who we think our teams will get and they have the 23rd pick from Washington. And I was like, just don't see why better not pick Atu Rowdy there if he's available. Like, I just think whoever gets Atu Rowdy is going to regret it, right? He was so highly um, scouted coming into this year. Or was it this year he started really digress, um, regressing. Down, regressing? Or the yeah. last year where, like, I, I just, I don't know. He's, he's still a really good hockey player, but I just don't think people – or he's hyped up as people made him to be now. Well, the the problem with him – well, I guess one of the problems is that he wasn't performing in the men's league, right? And he, he's an overager, right? Like he's an O two, 2 and like a bunch of the guys are going to draft this year are 0-3s. I, I believe he's an O two. 2 I could be wrong. He is, yeah. Yeah, but – um, he made the world junior team last year and then he didn't even make it this year, which is like, if that happens, then that's just a catastrophe. So that, that didn't happen. And he wasn't performing in the men's league or anything. So he was playing in, I, I think the, the U 20 league a little bit. I think he might've been playing in division two. Like it, it's just like, 
I, I don't I don't know what really happened to him. I, I think it might have been a case of peaking too early. You, you see it a lot with prospects. Um, but I mean, I I think I I think power is going to be going number one. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, he's I think consensus that, I think number much one at lock. this point. He's he's playing well over in in uh, Riga. He's getting a lot more ice time uh, as like the games have gone on. So I mean, Gerard Gallant's a really good coach. I think he should be coaching in the NHL, and he's showing a lot of promise in this young kid. Especially he's not even a pro yet. He's playing in a pro tournament. So I I think that's pretty cool. One player I'd love to see Sounds League get, and I I didn't really watch much of his game going up into the U18 tourney is Mason McTavish. That kid flies around the ice, man. He's not he's not the most skilled, but fuck, he's just always on the puck, always in guys' face, always in front of the net, always just always has a puck on his stick or around the puck, it seems. So I hope the Sharks pick Johnson over him, but if he comes to the Sharks, hey, ain't no complaints, cuh. Yeah, I think an interesting team to watch at the draft will be Columbus. Obviously, with the Seth Jones rumors, they could be um, dealing him there. But also, we know that they need a centerman badly. So, I think um, I assume they'll be tar- targeting uh, Beniers or Eklund at five. But if both those guys are gone, then it'll be really interesting if they reach on a guy like McTavish to try and just get a centerman or what they decide to do with that pick maybe deal it for centerman. I, I don't think they would, but definitely it will be interesting to see what they do with three first-rounders. It seems like this year would be the year to trade a lottery pick if if there's going to be a trade for for sure NHL, right? Like, everyone's kind of very unsure of all these prospects because it's been a weird year where, you know, haven't been able to watch anyone really with everyone playing overseas. The one thing that I really do hope happens is I hope that Luke Hughes gets selected by New Jersey at four. I, I think that would be a slight reach for a player like like Luke Hughes. I think that he would kind of go in like the seven to eight range like his brother Quinn. But I think that it would just be so cool for for New Jersey to have two Hughes brothers. And I, I think, honestly, that this could be like a little bit weird for me to think. I think that it would give him a little bit more of an incentive to get better too, right? Like, like he's playing with his brother. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, his brother could tell him, you know, what to expect with the team, um, certain things like that. And I, I think that they could build a lot of chemistry, especially if they're on like a power play together. Like this is obviously obviously a few years down the line, right? Because I think Hughes will play a year at Michigan, I would assume, just like Quinn. And I, I think that that would be really exciting to see. That That is the one thing from this draft that I really want to happen. Not that I care um, about college. But imagine how sick Michigan will be next year. I'm pretty sure I read they can have up to 14 first round picks on their team. I mean, we could be talking about both Power, Beneers, and Johnson, and possibly on returning. Although Power will probably turn pro if it's Buffalo, because you know, gotta rush those prospects if you're it's Buffalo. Buffalo. <laughs> and but yeah, that team could be a powerhouse. How's Buffalo though? Are you guys list like if you were buff if you're if is it Kevin Adams there? Mm-hmm. If you're Kevin Adams and some like teams are wanting the first overall pick, are you listening? Or are you just shutting the door down? Well, I would listen any day of the week, but I don't think it's happening. I don't know which team would be willing to give up an arm and a leg to get Owen Power. It's That's a thing. not even a lock. I mean, terrible. Could first. be a good top pair defenseman, or he could be Tyler Myers. So yeah, 
it's I don't know, not worth giving up a a king's ransom for. I think it'll for sure be one of the more entertaining drafts to watch just because everyone's so unsure of what's happening. Oh yeah. I look forward to seeing what Chevy and the crew do for the Jets. What with the thirty second overall pick? <laughs> hey, let's hope. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys want to hear this this story from when I was camping this past weekend, but there there is some pretty fucked shit going on in the campground. Oh god, West Talk Lake. So spill it. So this year I didn't end up in the seasonal campground just because you know luck of the draw. There were a lot more people that entered this year because of COVID. So we were in the public campground, and obviously we still are. And there was a site to the right of us and two across the street that all like knew each other. So it'd be like if our three families went together when we were younger, cause they had younger kids that all went to school together kind of thing. And so the rule is exactly similar to what it's like here with houses. So you can't have people going into other sites, right? It's just like not allowed. It's one of those things, right? So uh, my brother, my mom and I, we were out on a walk later at night because it was super nice how we went to go check out the lake stuff like that it was our first weekend out because it, it was uh last weekend in may i believe and we come back and there's four park ranger cars on the street so we're like oh fuck this can't be good so we're just kind of like chilling in our site and my mom asks the lady in the site beside us it's like what's going on here and then she's like well all of the kids went to that site up there to roast marshmallows and so some of the parents followed just naturally, you know, beers were flying and uh, we're all getting fined. So I was like, oh, fuck, how much is how much are these fines? Every single person that is over 18 is getting a thirteen hundred dollar fine for violating oh. COVID. And they were evicted and had to leave the campground by 9 a.m. sharp the next morning. That's what happens so, when you break rules. <laughs> So these people yeah. were like, this is fucking bullshit. Let our kids be kids. We're all fully vaccinated. And my mom was like kind of agreeing or whatever, just because like she didn't want to ruffle any feathers. Right. I mean, like they're strangers. Right. And I'm like, follow the rules and and you don't get that shit happening to you. Yeah. You're not going to be opening up the bank here because, you know, when rules are in place for so long, you should just know it should just be habit. Like we haven't seen each other in a while because we're trying to follow the rules here so that we can get out of this and then we can see each other again in like a safer way. Right. Just, it's like the exact same thing. It's just like wearing masks. It's not like you're not going to wear a mask going into a store. Right. So these people that are violating these, these COVID things are part of the reason why we still can't see each other. Right. Because they're like, oh, well, we're all vaccinated. Or, oh, our kids see each other every day at school, right? That's not the point. It's just like, follow the rules and nothing bad will happen to you. So there was one site that had four people that were over 18. So that's 52 hundo in one, in one site. Oh my God. And they had to be evicted by 9 a.m. And these kids are, you know, crying because they have to leave now and whatever. And I'm just like, you know, kick rocks, right? Like. Like if, if you, did, if you would have just followed the rules, what would be a problem? Yeah. What, what do you expect? Do they think that the park rangers aren't going to come by? And then they yeah. knocked on our door the next morning. I was still kind of sleeping. It was like maybe nine 30 in the morning and my mom answered the door and they're like, were you one of the sites that should have been evicted today? And she was like, no, we're the one beside. And then they're like, 
okay, yeah, because there were three gone, and we weren't sure if one like left via like appointment, like like they left because their because mm-hmm. their renting was done, or if it was because like they were evicted. And my mom was like, no, no, we're we're here, which like we're following the rules, right? So that that's all that I had to say about that. Kind of crazy that uh, that was a thirteen hundred dollars s'more. <laughs> Uh, that that's insane i mean yeah i'm annoyed of these restrictions but you still gotta follow the rules man whether you're camping or in the city like i just i, I just want to be back to reality <laughs> yeah i want i want to be able to go golf at least with the boys like well i saw i saw something that saskatchewan is uh is trending to be fully open with no restrictions by july 11th so, so not, not a single restriction in the entire province. Like don't even have to wear Jesus. masks or anything like that because seven, over 70% of their province has already gotten their first shot. I think 60 something like 61 or something here to, has their first shot. I think, I think it's even more than that now because a oh, lot no. of like the, a lot of like the kids that are over 12 are mm. going this week. Like, like this is like a pretty big week for that. I believe like, like <laughs> <laughs> there, there's no, it's like, like the, lot yeah and then it's like what was it 14 percent or something is fully vaccinated yeah that that number will continue to climb especially since uh it seems like like every week they're pushing it ahead two weeks if that makes sense yeah so, so like a couple weeks ago it was like everybody before like march 26th and, th- and then march, like, I mean, now yeah. it's like like april april 13th or something like 13th, that so i'm assuming yeah. that the next one will be like april 26th or something like that right just keep moving it up a little bit and then eventually yeah. it'll be our turn man one thing i want to talk about that's not hockey related is the fucking nba it is such a joke right now it's the joke it's such a joke league like i don't know like, who would want to be a fan in the nba right now man like did you guys see when lebron and the lakers are getting blown <laughs> out with five minutes left and lebron just leaves he just straight up left the game such a pansy could you imagine Connor McDavid leaving the ice with five minutes left uh, while losing four nothing? Like, like could could you imagine that? Like, it's because it's these just... players they they care more about about themselves and they care more about like building their brand and things like that than winning basketball games. Which I, I don't think it's the case for guys like LeBron James, right? Because I think that he's just a fucking sick player. But he's just like one of those selfish guys where he's like the team's fucking ass. I'm I'm blowing dodge here, right? So I I just think that that's like completely unacceptable. Like, did he get fined for that? No, Vemby didn't care. No one really even talked about it. Like he, but then, he should be fined like a hundred grand for that. That's such like a joke. Like you know, oh, what kind yeah. of example that's setting for kids. Just quit on your team if you're losing. And also, like, I was watching the overtime of uh, Portland and Denver the other night. Fucking Dame went off, but holy shit, every time Dame and Jokic went up for a shot, they're asking the ref for a foul. And it's like, yeah, he made a little contact, but it's playoff basketball. You got to expect to be hit. You can't be – and I hate in the NBA now that, like, Curry does it all the time. He'll pull up for a shot, or he'll pump fake first, get the defender to jump, and then he'll jump into the defender. Doncic does all the time all the time too it's just the NBA is just no fun to watch I used to love watching it years ago and now it's flopping and players getting attacked every two minutes because the refs are so soft I tried to get into watching the NBA but it's just like I, I just like gave up honestly it's 
it's not worth watching one player, honestly, because that's what it is with most teams. It's it's one or two players, right? And I I, I saw something where I think in, in the full 72-game season with the Brooklyn Nets big three that they only played eight games together because of yep. chemistry issues. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, we have bad chemistry. Maybe we should work on the chemistry, you know, by playing games together. It's just mm-hmm. so fucking stupid. These guys are such pansies. And the NBA, they have this new thing where it's resting players. Oh my so, God. like, that, the NBA regular season is just so boring to watch because, you know, you could pay $300 to sit top row of the fucking Staples Center, and you're not going to be able to watch LeBron or Anthony Davis play. You're going to watch Cal Kuzma and Alex Caruso. Whoop-de-doo. Like, the, the worst for that is fucking, like, Kawhi. Like, come on, man. Like, he oh played the God. past year this year because of load management. It's like... That's what it's called. Can you imagine if Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews just like didn't play half the year? Imagine if they rest. played fifty-two games. Yeah, like like fifty-two or, games in eighty-two season. Like, could imagine, you imagine they did that. Imagine the NBA Mike Trout only played seventy games. Yeah, like like in the MLB, that would be such a joke. Or MLB. But anyways, but before we get before we get canceled by every sports fan here because we seem to be ripping all these leagues. Uh, we just like to thank you guys for listening over the past few weeks. It's been really good. Uh, whether we have listeners or not, we'd still continue to do this because it's something that we really like to do. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. It's gang time.